Race to Walk Podcast, Episode 38. Welcome to the Raised to Walk Podcast, where we're walking out the life of faith. Romans 6, verse 4 reads, As Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And this show is designed to help you do just that. Now here's your host, Carla Alvarez. When reading the Bible, people often ask, what does that mean? Some things are very clear, such as God's plan of salvation. Some points of connection in God's overarching theme throughout the Bible are clear, such as God's command to put the blood of a slain lamb on the entrance to the home, saving the Israelites from death in the 10th plague of Egypt, was a foreshadowing and a physical confession in the salvation of God, Yahweh. However, we often enter murky waters beyond that when it comes to making a connection between the Old Testament and the New. Some of the most spirited and often vicious debates in the church over the past two millennia have related to the doctrine of the church. How are we saved? Is it for all or only for a select few? Can we choose to come to God or are we compelled irresistibly by God? Is salvation complete at the moment of confession, or is it a progressive process? Each of these questions have caused massive rifts within the body of Christ. What we individually believe about each of these things is very often dictated by our denominational background. We believe a certain way because that is what we have been taught. Each of these positions has been vigorously defended over time and each side has a fair number of adherents. However, just because a number of people believe a certain thing does not make it true. So how do we determine what a particular passage of scripture really means? How are we to understand it? How do we interpret it? All of the words Jesus spoke were to Jews within the land of Israel who followed the Levitical laws and the sacrificial system established at the time of the Exodus. Every letter of the New Testament was written by a Jew, except for perhaps Hebrews and Luke's works, that was raised in that environment since birth. Every word spoken and written was either by or to people who saw the observance of the Day of Atonement as a mandatory act, one that was required to be observed each year in order to have their name written in the Book of Life. We can't have any sort of meaningful conversation about the big questions in Christianity until we look at how each of those concepts underlying our doctrines were originally understood by observant Jews. By observant Jews, I mean those of the Second Temple period. Jesus and his apostles would not recognize very much in the practices of modern Judaism. A Christian researching this era must also understand that even the Talmud and the Mishnah, Jewish commentary on the scriptures and practices, post-date Christianity by at least two centuries and only reflect the beliefs of one particular sect of Second Temple Judaism, and that is the Pharisees. If someone said to you, may the force be with you, you understand the reference. Anyone who was raised in Western culture understands that you are referring to a fictional force in Star Wars and that they are wishing you success in your efforts. 
However, let's imagine for a minute that there is a major cataclysm. 95% of humanity is wiped out. And a thousand years from now, archaeologists are trying to figure out what this phrase means that they found written in graffiti on a fragment of a wall. It would have to be graffiti as most of our communication is now digital and our books aren't made to last as they were in the days of Jesus. Without knowing about the Star Wars series and its huge popularity, they would have no idea what it means. What would they come up with? Would they think the person was talking about a military force? Would they think it was a reference to a natural force like gravity? Without knowing the culture, they could come up with some pretty wild ideas. They would need to know other facts in order to place the reference properly. Perhaps a collector's tin with a summary still legible. Maybe a news article about the gross box office or the lines at the preview and an understanding of how the proliferation of televisions and later the internet allowed these stories to spread in a culture that was communally disconnected. All of this paints a picture of the influence stories had on an entire culture to the point that the use of phrases became common in everyday speech. In order to understand the message of the New Testament, understanding the culture of the time, the influences of the day, and the literature that directed their thought is helpful. The beginning of the first century AD was a time of turmoil and political wrangling in Judea. We don't get much of a sense of this other than in the account of Jesus' trial and execution as the Gospels are focused on the kingdom of God rather than earthly kingdoms. But the Jews were constantly in a state of near revolt. The religious observances were a part of their daily lives and with the temple as always as the focal point. But that religion was controlled by corrupt hypocrites who, if not completely sold out, kowtowed to the political rulers. We obviously do not know everything that influenced the average Jew in Judea at the time of Jesus, but we do know quite a bit. We know they mostly spoke Aramaic and read the scriptures in Greek. From other quotes and references in the New Testament, we know that they read apocryphal books such as the Book of Enoch, the Wisdom of Solomon, Judith, Tobit, Baruch, First and Second Maccabees, and Sirach. My Protestant listeners may not be familiar with these books as they are not included in the Protestant translations of the Bible. These are books written during the intertestamental period, the 400 years of silence between the writing of Malachi and the coming of Christ. Some are commentaries on scripture. Some give an expanded explanation of areas where scripture is silent. For example, the book of Enoch, on which gives both an account of the fate of Enoch as well as goes into more depth on who the sons of God are in Genesis 6, 1-5. Why these books are not canon is a topic for another day. I am not saying that they should be considered scripture, and the Old Testament is not our book, and the Jews never considered those books to be authoritative scripture. However, they were considered to have value as literature and for historical information. For Christians, they are helpful to read, not as God's word, but in order to understand the references the inspired writers of the New Testament made. For example, reading the book of Enoch gives John's book of Revelation a context as apocryphal literature. 
Revelation is not an odd book. It was a genre of writing with which the Jews were very familiar. Reading the Book of Enoch along with Jubilees and knowing that there was a disagreement between the Essenes and the rest of the practitioners of Judaism reveals in both of these books an argument for following a 364-day solar calendar. The writer of Jubilees essentially calls those in other sects apostate and claims they're blind because they calculate the feasts incorrectly. When we understand that there was as much debate between the Jewish sects on paschal calculation as there was in Christianity, we understand that, yes, Jesus' last supper could have been a Passover meal, as John stated, even though the rest of the Jews were not celebrating it until a day later. Each gospel account and epistle is a letter written to people with a specific understanding. We can't interpret the words from the foundation of our own culture. We have to try to understand the culture of the original hearers. The New Testament writers were speaking to a specific situation. Often they were part of a bigger ongoing conversation. When we have a grasp on the other parts of that conversation, we can have a better understanding of what the original writer meant. The Septuagint, the Hebrew Old Testament translated to Greek, and the Apocrypha was part of the cultural vocabulary of Jesus' day. So I hope that that's given you a little bit of insight and maybe a little bit better understanding of what the Bible and specifically the New Testament actually is and how we should approach it. If you'd like to further explore this, I have a list of books that are helpful on uh, my site. And if you go to raisetowalk.org forward slash P38, I have a list. And those include a New English translation of the Septuagint. So this is, there was an, another translation into English of the Septuagint, which I think was a, about 100 years old. Um, this one is more recent that you can get on Amazon. Another good resource is the books of Enoch, uh, Jubilees, and Jasher. And then having, there's a, a collection of the Apocrypha and the Pseudographia of the Old Testament. Another really helpful book is the works of Philo. And Philo was a Hellenistic Jew. He was a philosopher. His influence on the Jews in the first century AD can be seen in John's adaptation of his thinking in his gospel. So when you read John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, uh, the word being logos, he was actually referring to the understanding of the logos as the Greek philosophers and, and Philo as a Hellenistic Jew understood that. So he was using an argument that was familiar to the educated people of the day, but he was giving a little bit of a course correction. And then another book that I just love, it just thrills me to death that I, that I have this. If you read any journal articles or any, anything on the Second Temple period, this book will come up quite a bit. And it's called The Complete Dead Sea Scrolls, and it's by Penguin Books. When I started reading it, it was so interesting to me because when you read these writings, you see where the New Testament writers and, and Jesus himself got some of the things that he was saying. They weren't 
making things up. These were teachings of the day. They were just, Jesus would talk about it, but he would give it a context so that they saw how everything fit. Much of what he he talked about, it wasn't new. It was a pool of thought that, you know, this these were common teachings of the day. So it's, it's really, really interesting. So it gives you a little bit of a picture of who these people were. I, when you read that, when you read the Apocrypha, and then you go back and you read the words of the New Testament and the words of Jesus, it just gives you like such a, a different perspective of what they were saying. You're like, oh, wow, okay, that's what they're talking about. I get it. It just, it just starts to make more sense. And when I read the New Testament now, and the Gospels especially, when I'm reading some of the interactions between the Pharisees and especially during the trial, uh, I have a, a another really good resource is getting a synopsis of the four Gospels. When you research a culture, you don't only look at what one person says. No one is an island. They didn't write something just out of the blue and plop it down. They had their own experiences. Each of the people who wrote the Gospels was unique. They had a specific perspective. They were writing for a specific purpose. They had their own opinions. And yes, they were all inspired by the Holy Spirit, but you still hear their unique voice in what they wrote. And you can get more of a sense of who they are as a person if you know the circumstances that were going on around them that they were speaking to. It just gives it more of a depth and more of a richness. So thanks for joining me today for this episode. And if you'd like to get links to any of these books that I've mentioned, just go to raisetowalk.org forward slash P38. Feel free to leave a comment on if you've read some of these books or if you have other great resources for people that are exploring this intertestamental time. And now let's end with a prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and mercy to us. Thank you that you are always calling and reaching out to us. Thank you that we in this time have all of these amazing resources that we can get a clearer picture of who your son is, how he dwelt among us, and the impact and the influence that he had among his friends and the culture around him. Thank you, Lord. Help us to see you clearly in everything that we do. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Raised to Walk podcast. We'd love for you to continue to walk with us, so head over to raisedtowalk.org news to get free updates. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you next time.